Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. All right, this morning, uh, it's Mother's Day, and I have asked uh, Diane Morrow to share with us especially our ladies on this Mother's Day. They've been at Hillside, she and her husband Steve, for almost 20 years. Uh, been married for 38, uh, has a 31-year-old daughter and a 26-year-old son, Amy and Philip. Um, I remember when they first started coming to Hillside and were interested in getting involved, and they have been involved intensely uh, ever since. In fact, I would say their fingerprints are all over this church. They are foundational family. They jumped in right away, served very faithfully and quietly uh, behind the scenes at Hillside. Children's missions, counseling, discipleship, many other things. They're just invested here. Diane is quite a gifted gal. Uh, She's a publicist, worked in that field, She is a physical trainer. She assists in uh, cancer support and had her own bout with that. I've always seen her as uh, a person who possesses a very quiet dignity along with a real spiritual depth and quality of soul uh, through all kinds of circumstances in her life. When she told me what she was just the text that she was going to talk to you about today. I said, that's probably the reason for it. So, would you do me a favor and welcome her to the stage, Mom? I didn't trip, yay. Well, when Pete first asked me (laughs) to be here today, The word sermon and preaching and the talk, they all came into my head and then immediately my stomach turned to lead. And after some deep breathing exercises, eventually the word homily came to mind. I immediately began to feel lighter, so much better. It's a great word, homily. It just sounds nicer, doesn't it? So a few possible titles for this little homily. Um, forget the tyranny of the urgent, or roller coasters and perspective. My favorite was murals, Aerosmith, and Jesus. <laughs> and that'll make sense a little bit later on, but um, <laughs> we settled on resolve, reluctance, and words. So I thought it might be fun to share a few memes that I um, identify with. I love, I've always been fond of minions. I might look like I'm doing nothing, but in my head, I am quite busy. I think there's moms here that can relate to that. Um, Another one, and I've come so close so many times to buying this plaque. Um, I saw it at Hobby Lobby. My kids call it yelling when I raise my voice, but I call it motivational speaking for the selected hearing. Yes, exactly. Then my uh, favorite one, uh, here we go, the next one. How do we make alone time minutes as long as a minute doing a plank? 
Any Pilates people in here? Big time differential there. I don't know. Wow. Well, that's just um, kind of put me at ease. I like to laugh, and I thought you might like that too. And there's a few sunny, funny things about me. Um, I'm not who you think I am. I'm consistently the most inconsistent person you will ever meet. I enjoy meeting people. I love trying new things. I thrive on change. And I have a need to rearrange things in my home and move the furniture often. Just ask my incredibly patient and very strong husband, Steve. I like to paint, and sometimes it's on the walls of my house. I have murals in my house. Over the years, I've painted over them to create new murals. Currently, we have three murals in our home, but that could change in just one weekend of caffeine-inspired creativity. Well, I've been known to be stubborn. Y'all don't believe that, do you, right? Um, I have been known to be stubborn. The more someone tries to tell me something that I shouldn't do something or it wouldn't be wise, I will most assuredly attempt it. One example is when Steve uh, took me to Rome for our 25th wedding anniversary. He'd been there before. I had not. I had a bucket list. <laughs> and on that list was to hike a volcano. I really don't know why. But it was just there. It was just in there. Um, and in my research, I found that we could go to Rome so much more inexpensively than to Hawaii. Of course, in Hawaii, there's a lot more volcanoes to choose from. Um, but we settled on, on Rome. And so I found um, that Vesuvius, I don't know if y'all are familiar, you know, there's a volcano there. It's not too far from Rome. Um, and so I found that if we took a train from the main station in Rome, we could go to the local station in Naples, which is near Vesuvius. Well, it just happens that the Mafia run the trains in Italy. And uh, to get to the lovely but Mafia-controlled city of Naples, because I needed to hike a volcano, and Vesuvius is the one I chose, we had no details. <laughs> we had no idea at all what we were getting into. And so we stopped in the lobby of our cute little hotel one morning and, and decided we'd talk to the concierge. Oh, he's such a nice man. Um, we just wanted to ask him the best way, you know, to, to get there out to the volcano. And just such a kind man. And, and he'd been so helpful teaching us um, Italian phrases like, buona sera. And um, how do you get to the Colosseum? Left or right? I don't remember those in Italian, but at the time it was very helpful. Well, he tried desperately to stop us. He became so alarmed. It can't be done. No, absolutely not. It cannot be done. His face got red. He started to sweat a little. And so standing there in this little hotel, I suddenly had a very solid resolve to take trains all over Italy. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, who are you? You don't know me. Well, we did. We took several trains. Um, we made it to the top. It smelled funny. You could see little flowers growing in the center of the smoking crater. There's a little picture, there's proof, and that's the little crater down there. You can't see the flowers, but they're down there. 
You had to hold your nose, really, to enjoy the sight of them. <laughs> well, another example of this might be um, when I was in Rajasthan, India, riding down a very busy, dusty, dirty, bumpy road in a tuk-tuk. I was going to a Bible college to meet some students, and there was a very nice, clean Jeep waiting to take me and my friends. But then this guy rolled up on a bike, and he invited me. He said I, he would take me in his tuk-tuk. Well, you know, cows have the right-of-way in India, right? And they ride, they travel along the road with the cars, camels. It's just really crazy when you think about it. And in case you're not familiar with this mode of transportation, I think we have a picture. It's similar to a rickshaw. It's a piece of plywood, somehow secured on two wheels, big enough for two people, and I did have a friend ride with me. She was kind of a new friend, so but I really respect her for going with me. Um, it faces backwards, so you can actually see who's going to try to run over you rather than just imagine it. <laughs> it's pulled behind a bicycle, sometimes a camel, sometimes a motorized bike. There's lots of different kinds, but this is the kind that I was in. And um, it was really fun. I made it to my destination, just a little late and a good bit dusty. Uh, a few things about me. Uh, I clean my kitchen while listening to classic rock, usually Aerosmith. The WOW worship CD just doesn't provide the energy required to clean my filthy stove. <laughs> I already feel a little judgment, so we can move up past that. Um, what else? When I was first married, I didn't eat red meat. No chocolate, I didn't drink coffee. And yes, things have changed over the years. Oh, my goodness. So in the early years of our marriage, we ate a boatload of veggie burgers, chicken, and fish. Well, as Pete mentioned, Amy is my firstborn, and we're a lot alike, creative, free-spirited, expressive. And Amy was not quite in elementary school when she got to go stay with my parents, just for a few days. And during that time, one evening at dinner, so I'm told, Amy was eating like a ravenous child. My parents were amazed as they watched her chow down on this meal. Well, come to find out, my dad had grilled steaks. <laughs> my daughter had never even seen a steak, much less eaten one. And at the conclusion of the meal, Amy smacked her lips and licked her fingers and said aloud, Mmm, good sicken me, Ma. Apparently, I needed to talk more about the proteins in the food pyramid there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, Philip is my second-born. He's like his dad. He's very easygoing. He's a deep thinker. As a young boy, he was known by our family as P.T. And when he was three, maybe four years old, I decided it was very important to me to know that he knew who he was, his phone number, all of this stuff. So um, we taught him his phone number in case he ever got lost so the kind strangers could call and tell us where he was. What mother doesn't do that, right? We worked on this a lot, and it was probably overkill, but I was determined. Well, one day, Steve's aunt came by. She came to the house, and she knew what we'd been doing, working on all things identity. And so she asked him, PT, what's your phone number? Well, he stood up and recited it beautifully. I was beaming with pride. Oh, my goodness. Well, then she proceeded to ask him another question. She said, 
Well, what's your full name? Philip said, Philip Twain Morrow. She said, okay. What's your sister's name? Amy Twain Morrow. <laughs> and she said, really? So what's your mom's name? Mommy Twain Morrow. <laughs> Philip knew his dad's name was Stephen Twain. And his granddad's name was William Twain. So he came from, you know, a long line of Twains. And he was very, this was really a logical approach to him to figure out the identity of his family. Um, so you might say Philip had a good grasp on his identity. When I read scripture, I think Gail referred to this, and I loved that she shared that with you ladies. I like to personalize it. And so um, you'll see the scripture up on the board, but I'm going to read it here because when I personalize it, I, and I have permission from Pete to tell you this, I change he to she and man to woman and things like that. So I'm just going to read this, and you all think about it as I read it. Blessed is the woman who walks not in the way of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but her delight is in the law of the Lord. She meditates on it day and night. She's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all she does, she prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. On Mother's Day, we celebrate the women who gave us life. Some of our mothers are no longer with us. Some might not have good relationship with their mother, and that makes us sad. And while we can, though, we should tell our mothers how much we love them, how much we appreciate them, how beautiful they are inside and out, because they are. This day offers a lot of joy and happiness, but like I just said, for some this day brings sorrow and deep pain. Some women have children in heaven waiting to meet them. Some are not able to conceive or give birth even though they desperately want to. And this makes my heart truly hurt. But I believe we should also celebrate the women who invest in our spiritual life. We have spiritual mothers and they've been planted by streams of water their roots go down deep to provide stability. And this is what I really want to talk about for the next few minutes. I believe that God plants us by streams of water. I believe that he wants every female Christ follower to be a spiritual mother, no matter the age. I believe God equips every Christ follower to do this. So guys, your day's coming. Thank you in advance for indulging me as I share a few things from my journey of faith motherhood, and daughterhood. And yes, I looked it up. Daughterhood is a real word according to the free online Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> well, we all have women in our lives that God has used to bless us, yes? Well, he also places people in our lives specifically for us to, to bless and to speak life into them. And when I say speak life, I mean to encourage, to speak truth. Life is too short not to speak truth, especially to those that you love. I come from a long line of spiritual women. They're all deeply rooted in southern charm and hospitality. These women are like trees planted by streams of water. They yield fruit in its season, and they have spoken life into me. Well, my mom, Luanda Lynn Coker Burgess, 
my nana, Myrtle Lynn Coker, my granny, Lily Giles Burgess, and many unforgettable aunts, my sisters, Andrea Lynn and Melissa Caroline. We're a Southern family. <laughs> I've been greatly influenced by not only them, but also close friends from high school and college. They've become like sisters to me. And there are incredible spiritual women here at Hillside that speak into my life on a regular basis. They keep me accountable, they keep me grounded, and I need them. I wouldn't be here without them. And then there's Naomi. And we'll come back to her in a few minutes. Well, mothers teach us important skills in life, how to cook, self-awareness, identity. Moms teach us how to be generous and how to have good character and integrity. Well, I remember one spring day as a child, I was playing in the front yard with a little friend from down the street, and for some unknown reason, I said something wildly untrue. I don't know what it, why I said it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but right away, I heard my mother call me by name, Lily Diane Burgess. Come to the house, please. This disembodied voice really startled me. I could hear my mom, but I couldn't see her. How did she hear me? She said my name again, and with confusion on my face, <laughs> I decided it was best to obey, and I went in. I walked in the front door. Well, my mom had been ironing my dad's Navy uniform in the front of the house near an open window, and I discovered that day that my mom has what I call bat ears. They're very sensitive and alert. And I think she passed this trait on down to me because I can hear things at night, oh my gosh, that really need to be investigated. Steve never hears them, but I hear them. Well, my mom asked me why I said what I did to my friend, and I was still so stunned. I, I don't think I even responded. She said, Diane, I think you know that what you said is not true, so you need to go make it right. Well, at the time, still stunned at her acute sense of hearing, I don't remember any other discussion, but I do remember going outside to tell my friend that what I said was untrue and that I was sorry. My mom taught me the importance of honesty that day, and I'm grateful. I grew up in a fun-loving Christian home, and we were a Navy family, so we moved around a lot. My mom made it a great adventure. We always found a church home where we attended regularly. My mom sang in the choir. My dad would be an usher, serve as a deacon. I learned how to serve God and his church by watching my parents, and I'm so grateful for that, for their example. But I grew up knowing a lot of the stories of the Bible. By no fault of my parents, though, I didn't fully comprehend what it meant to be a Christian, to live a Christian life, until I was in college, living up in Denton, going to UNT. And after attending a campus uh, event sponsored by Crew, Naomi knocked on my door. They're in the dorm, you know, lots of noise, lots of girls. I lived in Maple Hall, if y'all know that door. It's the only female dorm up there. I think it's still all female. It was a great place to, to be there that first year of my college life. And she asked me to be a part of a, a Bible study. And this is really, you know, something I thought I could do. I mainly just joined because I wanted to make friends. I love meeting people and getting to know more people across the campus. It was very early in the semester. 
But this is really where I came to understand that Christianity is not about the laws and the rules. It's about the love and the sacrifice. It's a love so strong that the sacrifice still overwhelms me. I'm a firstborn, so I was pedaling hard, going nowhere fast. For some reason, I thought I could earn God's love. And Naomi told me, she showed me, that God loved me right where I was, warts and all. And that I could never, ever do anything to make God love me more or love me less. It's the perfect, sinless life, the vicious and painful death, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus that saves us when we put him first in our life. When I confessed my sin, my selfishness, my insecurities, and my pride, and the mess I'd made of my life, and it was a mess, God forgave me. When I cried out for help, the Holy Spirit surrounded me and helped me understand who I am in Christ. I was changed. It was not overnight. I had a lot to learn, and I still have a lot to learn. But Naomi invested in me every week. She's a tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit in its season. And with Naomi's help, I became a tree planted by streams of water too. I came to understand that I could daily choose to walk in God's ways, to trust in the Holy Spirit, to lead me, to, to comfort me, and to give me the courage to do the next right thing. I still, every day, pray that. I need him. I don't wanna go backwards or fall into doubt and fear. I want with everything that's in me to move forward closer to God. And I believe that all Christian women are called to be spiritual mothers. Naomi is my spiritual mother and I'm blessed to have her in my life. There's a quote I really like. I found it on Instagram. I follow Propel Women. Y'all might like to do that, ladies, if you don't already do so. Um, in, uh, there's this quote that says, our ministry gifts and the way God plans on using us do not start or end with marriage or motherhood. And that's true. You see, I am so crazy happy to be the mother of the beautiful and creative Amy Diane and the generous and deep-sinking Philip Twain. And as much as I love them, that's not my identity. My children are not my identity. I'm a wife, I'm a personal trainer, I'm a public relations consultant, I'm an artist, I'm a lot of things. But none of these things are my identity. My identity's in Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells me that because I belong to Christ, I'm a new creature and no one can take that from me. It's a great scripture to focus on. Well, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out even though I wish I did. But I know who I belong to. My faith in Christ has given me a new identity and he's aligning my heart with his heart. And sometimes it's painful. Now some hard truth. You should know that reluctance is sometimes my MO, or often. 
my MO. When God prompts me to do something, sometimes I pretend, pretend I didn't hear him. That's also known as ignoring, and have you ever thought about why the word ignore and ignorance are so close together? That's worthy of some research right there. Or two, the second option is I argue. I argue with God and say, God, you don't really want me to do that. Or I justify my stubbornness. I say, I hear you, God. I'm a little busy right now. It's not really my gift. I say we just leave that to somebody else. Or the fourth option, sometimes I obey and I need to do it more. I obey out of faith because God knows what he's asking. See, I do numbers one through three out of fear of failure and insecurity. And I think some, some of y'all might be able to relate to that. But I've learned that God wants me and he wants you to step out of our little comfort zones and to trust him and obey him. That's when God makes us trees planted by streams of water to bear fruit in its season. And sometimes it might look like this. There's a, a little picture I think we have here. There we go. What do you notice about this picture? I took this picture recently on, on a bike ride. I have a favorite trail that I like to ride several times a week, and I'm drawn to this house every single time I ride by. So what do you notice? There's a door on the second floor, but there's no solid floor to step out on. I think sometimes that's what faith looks like to us. But there's a door in front of us, and all we have to do is walk through it. But from our current perspective, oh man, there's no floor over there. We just don't see it, we don't understand it. But maybe there's a big trampoline hidden by that fence. Now that would be fun, right? <laughs> or maybe there's a swimming pool. You could practice your high dive. Well, perspective is an interesting thing. I learned about perspective in school, how to draw a horizon line and vanishing points, using a ruler and these horizon line. You can draw one point, two point, three point perspective, and these are all cool tricks just to create a sense of depth. Sometimes we just can't see what's coming at us. Our perspective is either off or it's very limited. Maybe it's blocked by an old wood fence. Now, I have a weird brain, and some might say an odd sense of curiosity, so I've been thinking a lot about what's on the other side of that door without a floor. Who lives there? Why is there no floor to step out onto? Is there a padlock on the inside to keep someone from just opening it and stepping out into thin air? And who put it there? What do the people who live there think about every time they walk by that door with no floor on the other side? At some time, there must have been a reason for it, right? There's so many illustrations that can come to mind around this picture. But I keep coming back to faith and what it feels like sometimes to trust God when we're uncomfortable with our circumstances. God has a perspective that I cannot see. Well, several years ago, I was on the Texas Giant, a world-class roller coaster at Six Flags in Arlington. I think it's still there, yes? It's been a while since I've been there. We came around a curve, 
and there was this optical illusion that the roller coaster track just disappeared. It just ended, and I screamed. My heart was pounding, my brains were rattled, and I recovered briefly, just in time, for another curve. And this time, it really looked like we were going to go head to head with this other roller coaster car full of roller coaster lovers. I screamed again. My head rattled. Oh my gosh, heart pounding. You get the idea. Well, I was recently talking to Steve, my patient, strong husband, and when I was reciting this uh, experience to him, he said, "Diane, you knew that roller coaster was safe when you got on. You weren't going to crash, but your emotions told you otherwise. Fear crept in. I say fear leapt in." But life can be that way. Our emotions can take over and demolish any momentum towards God that we had or that we thought we had. Trust can be hard because we have a limited or a blocked view of what's coming in life. We've all endured a very difficult 14 months due to the scary pandemic. We've endured difficult days, weeks, and months not knowing when life might return to normal. But I want you to know, even if this is the only thing you remember today, we can take comfort in knowing that God's sightline is so much better than ours. Our perspective is limited. God's got a bird's eye view. I wish I had that perspective. But his perspective and his plan is so much better and so much bigger than mine, and so I know I need to trust him. Now, there can be a huge truck coming at us at full speed that just could obliterate us, and we don't see how God can be at work in difficult situations and tra why tragedies happen. Or there could be a, a huge boat of blessing coming at us. We can't even see it because there's something obstructing our view. But we can trust him. God is trustworthy. I learned that working in the children's ministry. You're welcome, Anthony. God is trustworthy. We need more than just positive vibes. And the Bible is so full of God's faithfulness, examples that we need to recognize for ourselves. There are people here that can share incredible stories of how God personally and overwhelmingly stepped in to take care of them. And if you want to hear these stories, I can hook you up. There are lots of them. Well, a dear friend of mine recently told me, God is a conversationalist. I love that. God wants to talk to me. He wants to hear from me. He wants to hear from you. He can handle our hard questions. Why are we so quick to go to other people with our stuff? and so slow to take it to the God of the universe. Well, he also wants us to listen to him. And when we get still and quiet, we can hear God in our spirit. When we give our life to Christ, an amazing thing happens between us and God. The sin we confess falls away, and God sees us just like he sees his son, Jesus. We all want to belong, we want to be connected and feel secure. And there's not a magic formula, but the Bible, God's word, 
has so much to say to guide us on this journey. That's why it's important for us to read it for ourselves. If I could tell my younger self one thing, it would be forget the tyranny of the urgent. Some of the things that you think are urgent just really aren't. We need a better and a slower pace. I tend to be task-oriented. For many years, the word slow just was not in my vocabulary. I like to check things off my list. And that gives me this odd sense of accomplishment. But just because something made it on to my list of things to do doesn't mean that that's what I'm supposed to do. I need to ask God what should be on that list. Or I can ask him to just order my day. Some of us struggle with control more than others. Most of my family would tell you that I struggle with control. And I'll admit, yes. But if we're aligned with Christ, he will work it out. And I don't need to leave sleep over it. Sometimes we just make things more complicated than they really are. God's free gift of grace is for us, like we sang about this morning. We can't earn it. We can't buy it, and we most assuredly don't deserve it. We get overwhelmed. Yeah, we, we have anxiety about so many things in our lives. A few years ago, my brother-in-law told me something that I really like. He says, sometimes eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and taking a nap is the most spiritual thing you can do. I love that. I love peanut butter. But it's simple. It's uncomplicated. I enjoy taking personality assessments. And so a few years ago, I took one that kind of associated personality traits and assigned them to seafaring vessels, like a tanker, a sailboat, a speedboat. When I saw my report, I was greatly offended. My husband, he took it too, and his was a sailboat, smoothly able to glide through life, adjust the sails to the wind, whatever was coming at him. That's kind of how I thought I was, right? I thought, oh, good, we're both sailboats. No, I was a tugboat. <laughs> I was greatly offended. They are ugly, they are bulky, they are slow, and they make weird noises. <laughs> but really, when I thought about it, that's exactly what I do. I move people along. It's taken me a while to kind of realize that groove but I like to help people move forward, stay on course. I have been a part of many different ways of serving here at Hillside, working with kids, like Pete mentioned, mentoring, missions, Bible studies, but my favorite thing to do is to come alongside women who want Jesus. And sometimes it's even before they know they want Jesus. I enjoy hearing their faith story about their journey and I enjoy sharing how God's at work in me, in me and around me, and how he's made me like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. And that sounds kind of boastful, but it really isn't. Because I'm confident who God is and who he made me to be. Knowing that there's more fruit to come, there's a next step, there's a new adventure, this encourages me. Each of us have influence. Our words have influence. 
They have power. Positive, truth-filled words delivered in love. It's like a tree just blooming in its season. So don't underestimate who God created you to be or the power of your words. Sharon Hodemiller says, your words hold power, so wield them with intention. I love that. Don't miss an opportunity or responsibility that you have as a Christ follower to be a spiritual mother. Be an encourager. Be a truth speaker. Be a tree planted by streams of water yielding fruit. My favorite verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe this? You can. You can choose today to be the day that Christ rules your heart. He has amazing plans for you. You can take time even now just to tell God you know that you're a sinner and you're sorry and you ask for forgiveness. If you truly mean it and tell him what you believe about Jesus, the death, the resurrection, how he covered our sins, he paid that debt, we turn from our sins. We have to repent and rethink our life. You can invite Christ into your life. You can let Christ rule your life. But today, maybe, you just ask God to give you the want to, the desire to trust and follow him, to be your savior. Well, if you choose today to follow Christ, tell someone. Get in a small group. Learn what it means to be a Christ follower and a spiritual mother. Learn what it's like to be a tree planted by streams of water yielding fruit in its season. Thank you.